Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Dismantling You podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Pineda. On today's episode, I have with me Dr. Mark Trollis. He is the Director of Fertility Care, the IVF Center, as well as Professor at the University of Florida in Gainesville and the University of Central Florida in Orlando. Dr. Trollis has been awarded the American Medical Association's Physicians Recognition Award annually. He holds the unique distinction of also being a fellow in the American Colleges of OBGYN, Surgeons, and Endocrinology. His fellow physicians select him for Best Doctors in America annually since 2007 honoring him as one among the top 5% of doctors in the U.S. So before we get started, if you are new to the podcast, be sure to subscribe to be notified when new episodes release, and don't forget to leave a review. The more reviews and shares that we get, the more people we can reach, and you never know when an episode can impact someone's life. Stay tuned now for my conversation with Dr. Mark Trollis. Welcome to the Dismantling You podcast, Mark. I'm so thrilled to have you and to see you again. And your compassion, all the good that you're doing in this world definitely merits this podcast. And, and first of all, I want to congratulate you on being um, the top five book on Amazon in its category. Can you tell us a little bit about that book? Sure. And Lisa, thank you for the kind words. It, it really just comes from my heart and I do what I love. And I'm, I'm very fortunate and blessed to be able to be in, uh, in a profession that I love and I'm touching patients live in such a profound way. So because of my wife and my experience of infertility for 10 years, if you could believe being in the field and facing what you face, I grew a special relationship with my patients. I always loved the field even before that when medical school and residency and fellowship, and then we were faced with the same disease that my patients had. So it gave me a unique perspective, of course. And after going through 10 years, Lisa, and going through all the different treatments and all of the frustrations and the heartaches and the roller coaster and just the vicious cycle of, of trauma, we adopted our children. We have five angels that, that have blessed us in more ways than we could even describe. So what I wanted to do after that was to give back. And my wife opened up an adoption agency for a while. We were doing just working on just giving to our patients. It was, it was a labor of love. And so she did home studies and, and did placements and, and we did that for a while. And then I opened a foundation for uh, raising, we raised actually several hundred thousand dollars in grant money over 10 years and gave free IVF cycles to patients all over the country. And we put on educational seminars on a yearly basis and a, and a gala to raise money uh, to do that. So. I think it, it touched me in a way that I, I, I felt so grateful that I wanted to give back. And, and the book was probably a culmination of it. I wanted to describe my story as a means of hope. 
and you know, our, the motto of our website and, and practice is hope and hope stands have only positive energy. So I wanted to give our patients that kind of inspiration and let them know what this journey is all about from a, a physical, emotional, and financial uh, manner. So I described my story and guided them through every process that is imaginable through, hey, I'm thinking about having a child or what's uh, testing is all about and I don't know anything about IUI and what's this IVF thing. And then we also obviously uh, allow options for third party, uh, egg donation, uh, gestational carrier, LGBTQ population, uh, cancer patients, and, and everything that you could possibly do, no matter where you are in your journey. So I, I, I saw a void in, in the book uh, market for a book by a physician in this, in this type of uh, genre. And so I wanted to contribute and, and it's been well received and I'm very, very grateful. Absolutely. And congratulations. And I just want to add one of the reviews that I saw on your site was uh, on Amazon, I should say. Dr. Tallis has accomplished something very special with this book. He combines cutting edge science, compassionate information, and your own journey to parenthood in a unique way that helps the reader move effectively towards building a family. And so the reason why I mentioned that review is because it's not too often that you find a book on, that, on the market that combines you know, both compassion and cutting edge science. So kudos to you. Well, you know, you know, Lisa, I, I, I truly wish everyone had the opportunity to hear the things I hear about what I do. It's very humbling. It's also very inspiring. I, I never really understood, and still I, I think it, it, I have difficulty uh, really appreciating the tremendous thanks uh, and gratitude of our patients over, over what we've done for them. It's, uh, I get almost embarrassed when, when, I, when I see them and, and the, the exuding of, of emotion and affection is, is, is um, uh, it's, it's describable. And, and book, when I started looking at some of these reviews, I said, oh my gosh, I mean, you know, when you write, you, you're literally pouring your heart out. And to know that someone, had, you've touched that person by what you wrote, that's pretty powerful. And, and you know, they say the pen is mightier than the sword, right? The, choosing words that are emotive and to, to really affect somebody. Uh, because I'm, I'm artistic, I, I'm a singer. I sing with uh, jazz groups or large orchestras. I'm, I'm very, very passionate about that. And you're and, an amazing singer too, I might oh, add. I've well, seen your well, videos. <laughs> well, I, I bring that up because in any artistic uh, pursuit, I, I think the only way you could know how far you will be successful uh, is to push yourself and to be vulnerable, is to just go out there past your safety net and Isn't take a chance true? and right? take a chance. And so that's what I did. That's what I do with singing. And that's what I do with my writing and um, I run uh, uh, every single day. I do races. You know, uh, it's, I, I think I, I was just interviewed uh, on an entrepreneur show uh, about, um, you know, coping with, with COVID and so on and so forth during businesses. And I was just saying that, you know, you're not going to live 
until you've left your comfort zone and, and challenging yourself. Because even if you don't get the absolute goal that you originally pursued, you pushed yourself further than you probably thought that you could. And you have to pat yourself on the back and really stop for a second and say, hey, look what I did. Because I don't think enough people do that. Or at least I know I didn't. I would do things and just be a robot. I mean, I'd be just doing everything. I got to do this. I got to do this. I got to do this. But when you then say, hey, I know my day-to-day -day routine, but I have to step out of that and do more. And that's when you really get a chance to do, uh, uh, to look at your life and say, hey, you know, I, I did something there that, that, that I, I think makes a difference. Absolutely. You're so right about that. So, you know, I'd like uh, the viewers to know what brought you to a medical profession. Can you take us far back? And then why specifically fertility medicine? Yeah. We're going back now, uh, Lisa, to, um, Lisa, to 19, when we went to medical school, uh, went to medical school, I graduated Columbia, 84. Okay. So, uh, I, well, we're going back even further. What, what made me want to be a doctor? I mean, my gosh, uh, I, 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 first of all, I revered my parents, uh, and and they just saw something in me that that uh, that I had the ability to to relate to people uh, hurting, and I was very I, I have emotional intelligence, I guess, uh, to to just sense that and. I remember being in a doctor's office with my mom. I was probably 10 or 11 years old. And I said, you know, everybody was waiting in the office and I was getting restless. And I said, well, you know, look how we're waiting an hour. So she said, do you see anybody in here complaining? I said, no. She said, that's because when you go in there to see him, he provides 180% attention to you and never lets you leave until all of your questions are answered and you feel better. And that stayed with me. It stays with me forever. And so it just sort of grew into me. I'm the first doctor in my family, so I knew nothing what it was about. So fast forward, uh, pre-medical studies at Columbia University in New York, and then at Rutgers Medical School in New Jersey, uh, fortunate enough to attend uh, and be accepted and completed that. But Lisa, it was one week during our clinical rotations in the year of medical school. So we do bachelor, do OBGYN, we do psychiatry, internal medicine, surgery, we do everything. And during the OBGYN rotation, one of our uh, directors was saying, hey, we have a spot for one week during the infertility service. Who wants to do it? And nobody was raising their hand. I said, hey, I'll do it. I, I don't know what it's about, but I, I, I'd love to see it. And that was it. That week was the aha. I, I could not believe the impact that the disease of infertility was having on patients, the relationship that the physician and the staff had with their patients, the cutting edge technology, the science, the endocrinology, the surgery, psychiatry, everything to me was in that one specialty. And I remember telling my mom, uh, this is it, I'm doing infertility which was very unusual. Most people don't select their field until probably later uh, in, their, in their medical school, or certainly don't, don't select a subspecialty like 
reproductive endocrinology and infertility until they go through their residency. But I knew residency was just a stepping stone to my fellowship. So I did that and I, it's never abated. I, I, I just, I feel very privileged and it may sound corny, uh, uh, but it's truly a privilege to be involved in such an intimate aspect of a couple's life. You know, studies have looked at, Lisa, that the devastation of fertility is equivalent to a cancer diagnosis. So think about the fear you have with cancer and think about what it could do to somebody. And that's what it does to infertility. So I, you know, my emotional intelligence, I think, really bonds me to my patients. I, I see the suffering in their eyes. And because of my experience, I, not just, I don't just talk the talk, I walk the walk. So I, I just feel that it's my goal to bond with them, to make them know that I got your back. I, I, I feel it's our obligation to take ownership in every single patient that you have. Uh, if it becomes routine, you got to think about doing something else. Because it's, it's, you know, not caring about your job is not a good thing for anybody. But when you're in a profession where people long to, to, be, uh, to, to, to have their goal and come to you with such hope, and if you're indifferent uh, and treated as a, as a number, that you're doing such a disservice to patients um, that you need to really consider doing something else. So I, I've never forgot a quote by, by um, oh gosh, I don't know if it's Ruben saying, the quote that your talent is God's gift to you, but what you do with your talent is your gift to God. And as I get older, I'm thinking about those things. Say, you know, we're all here for a purpose. And if we ever truly find the reason, you're blessed. And I, I, I believe that, that my purpose was to touch people's lives in this way. And, and that, I guess, if we believe that quote, is, is my gift to God for giving me the gift of being able to do what I do. That's so powerful. I love that. You know, Mark, your compassion really shines through. Uh, you know, you were recently quoted that, you know, you were going to draw the line when it comes to upselling fertility treatments. Can you? Right. I, I, a I, bit about that. Well, I, I'm very protective of my patients. Uh, and I just feel it's a crime for any potential exploit or exploitation of a fertility patient. And, you know, it's a billion dollar industry. Uh, hospitals, uh, uh, I'm sorry, um, corporations are buying fertility practices. Fertility practices are, are merging and getting larger and, and private equity is getting involved. And now you have um, uh, certain um, uh, offshoots of, of egg donation and gestational carry and so on and so forth. I mean, those agencies are needed, but it's a billion, multi-billion dollar industry. But it begins with the patient. And this is a disease. You know, ironically, the World Health Organization came out with an update today uh, to talk about fertility facts. And the first line was the disease of infertility. And it is a disease. The AMA declares disease. The Health Organization, WA declares it a disease. The American Society for Reproductive Medicine, ASRM, declares it a disease. It's a disease. And it deserves to be insured 
by mandates in every single state. I am uh, put to, uh, working with uh, an organization uh, called Resolve, and we're looking to do that in Florida. So we put together a steering committee, and now we're meeting regularly. A dream I had from, uh, from going to Washington, D.C. a couple of times to advocate just changed my life. And I said, I'm, I'm taking a large amount of money from patients without any guarantee of success. And this is wrong. It's wrong. I've always felt bad about that. And now when I went to Washington, D.C., I said, you know, and so I got more and more involved with Resolve. I'm on their physician's board. And we put together a group and we meet regularly and we are getting close to uh, um, uh, the next steps to, to put this into at least the, the minds of the legislators to make this happen. So I think that any test that you do, and it's in, it's in the book, um, every test that, that a physician orders, they should be able to explain to you and justify what they're doing. And if they can't, and if it doesn't make sense to you, question it. And if it still doesn't make any sense to you, then you have the right for a second, third, fourth opinion. Unfortunately, because it's such a revenue producing field with a lot of self-pay, um, there is risk of conflict of interest. And the conflict of interest is, is, is that the service that a physician provides, particularly in vitro fertilization, they often own the lab for the embryology, they own the lab for the blood work. And, you know, uh, I, I pray that that is not a reality. But when I look at, at medical records and review patients and see, you know, why did they go to IVF sooner? And it just didn't make any sense of why they did IVF so fast. And, you know, then you start worrying. So in the book, uh, I've written about things that are not indicated, tests that are outdated, and things that patients have to be wary of. So they have to be their own advocate, and the, and the book is a guide for that purpose. Shed some light as an entrepreneur and a business owner in a pandemic world. How has this changed your operations? Well, uh, it's, it's changed everyone. It's changed, first of all, we were shut down. When, the, uh, when COVID came about in February in this country, by mid-March, the American Society for Reproductive Medicine came out with their first guidance to say that you know we really shouldn't be offering these kind of procedures that will consume and take away the protective personal equipment. For, uh, so uh, we, many of us shut down. I actually published an article about uh, the potential profiteering of the clinics that did not shut down and the guidance. We published that until the instability. But uh, we shut down from that. But also in Florida, the governor put an executive order out mandating that we do not do non-urgent procedures and fertility as much as it's near and dear to all of our hearts and we consider it a life crisis is not a life-threatening procedure in, in, in the sense of, uh, of an emergency. So we were shut down for at least six to eight weeks. So uh, there was a lot of sweating uh, in that time period. Thank God we got the PPP loan and my staff were so cooperative. I'm very, very grateful to them. Uh, but what did I do? I looked at opportunity and I went out to start recruiting for physicians because I knew this would not last forever. And I started online programs. So I'm in my second semester of that because I just wanted to keep all my options open to learn about the business of, uh, of healthcare administration 
and always looking at opportunity. Our practice has, has recovered. We're doing well. We have a new physician joining us in a few months. Uh, we have great relationships with other practices. And I, I, I think that what we've adjusted to is the new normal and tele, telehealth is the new normal. So we do procedures all morning. Uh, obviously we're keeping our distance and we're doing everything for physical distancing and, and, and uh, wearing masks and protective equipment as necessary. In the afternoon, I'm doing telehealth consultations uh, all day and even on Saturdays uh, because it's so convenient for patients. So we adjust accordingly, uh, but we also monitor everything about this disease very close to ensure that we're not putting our patients at risk, their families, our staff, their families, and, 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 and still trying to do the work of, of helping couples build their families. Thanks for sharing that. So can you also reveal to us some of the self-care practices you do? I know you're a busy guy, but you find time to carve out, you know, you sing, you dance, you're a professor, you're a do-it-all man, you're, uh, you know, a husband, um, you know, you, I, your father. T tell me what you like to do. Share with our audience what you like to do in terms of self-care. Well, my wife is the dancer. I'm not. She's always trying to get me to dance, but she's a ballroom dancer. And one of my shows, one of my shows, I actually had her come on with one of her instructors and I sang off stage while she danced with her instructor, a, a ballroom dance uh, routine. Did you so really? That was really wow, neat. Yeah, yeah, that's beautiful. So I, I have become obsessed, if you will, on, on being as healthy as I could be. It happened with my daughter. When my daughter was born, I, you know, I played football in college and I was always in reasonable shape, but, but not to, to the degree I am right now. Once my daughter came and I held her, I said, I got to put myself together. I can't go anywhere. And each child just motivated me more and more. And then we have five. So I do marathon. I do races every single day, five in the morning. And that is my time to clear my head, to prepare my day to get ideas of business growth, to think of, of um, um, angles of, of things, articles I'm writing on. Um, uh, I, I wanna produce something new every day. And so I, I, at the end of the day, when I look back, I wanna know I did something that I didn't do the day before. Uh, so I, I, the running is, is, is just tremendous therapy. It's such a great feeling after to do that, to know that you've accomplished something that, um, that, that is good for your body. Um, I'm not a vegetarian, but I'm a pescatarian. So fish is, is my source of protein. Um, I meditate. Uh, I do deep breathing exercises. Uh, I write a lot. Um, and, and writing is frustrating, but to know that you, when you finished writing, you, 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 you've you really put something together nice is, uh, and people appreciate that. It's a great feeling. I sing every day. I, I wish I was singing in, in, in uh, clubs and theaters like I, like I used to, but, but uh, the, the pandemic has sort of stopped us, but I sing every day. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm with my children, uh, with their homework, uh, I, my, my job, of course. And at the end of the day, I do practice gratitude. I look back and I say, you know, I, I really, I really thank God 
that I have. I'm in better shape now. I'm 58 years of age. I'm in better shape than I've ever been in my entire life. I, I, I appreciate um, the op what I have. I, 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 you know, I don't think that, that we do that enough. And I have a loving wife uh, who's a fantastic mother and wife, and I have five wonderful children. Um, I, I, I think that of all the emotions that you could generate, gratitude is a very important one uh, for health purposes, mental health, uh, as well as um, helping in longevity. It's one of the things that, 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 that do help in that. So taking time out, uh, disconnecting so from, important, right? from social media, email, phone, and taking time. I go for a walk. So I, I, I've really tried to be aware of my environment, uh, nature, and what I'm in and living in the moment. Not multitasking, but whatever I'm doing, try to embrace that uh, and, and be conscious of the fact of, of that, that you're living in the moment. I, I think that these kind of things will, will serve people well. So before I let you go, Mark, I think we've had a great conversation and you've really given our listeners some insight into you. What's the impact you want to leave with this world? I'm glad you asked that question because a legacy is very important to me. I've been blessed enough to be in a career where I have had reasonably good success and I've had some accomplishments, but I want to be, I, I, I always think about being a role model for my children of never being satisfied. Uh, not in a bad way to the extreme, but always pushing myself. And, and so um, toward the, I guess I, it's safe to say, the last third of my career in my life, uh, I want to be able to create an entity in my practice that is a, uh, a, a reproductive health science center that is involved in research in education, a fellowship to train new specialists, um, uh, scientists, uh, the most advanced clinical care, uh, putting on conferences, and 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 just having a, a world-class center that that uh, people can come to. Uh, I want to write more because I think a book is a great legacy, um, and I I want to en enjoy. Uh, life to its fullest and, 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 and embrace every opportunity I have. I have always felt that that was the case because I've just been always conscious of our mortality. And this is not a practice. It's not a dress rehearsal. This is it. Right. Okay? So I think that when people start maybe being not motivated or worried about their age, I would leave them with this. Whatever you are right now is the youngest you're ever going to be for the rest of your life. <laughs> like that. So act like it, okay? Because I'm 58 right now. When I'm 68, I'm probably going to wish I had the energy of 58, okay? So I think about that all the time. So if I could say what I would like to be remembered by is it's someone that was dedicated toward caring for others and trying to make a difference in the world. That's perfect. Thank you so much, Dr. Mark, for your time. 
and this interview. I really enjoyed our conversation today. Can you just let our listeners know where they can find you online? Of course, I'll have this all in the show notes um, on the podcast, but it would be great if you could just say it and let them know as well, the best place to find you. Well, uh, I'm definitely, and it's the IVFcenter.com is our website. It's actually a brand new website uh, where we have our motto of hope to, to have only positive energy. I'm on Twitter at Dr. Mark Trollis. Uh, LinkedIn, you could find me there. I'm on Facebook. We are at the um, uh, fb.com forward slash myfertilitycare. Uh, we're at myfertilitycare on Instagram. We have a YouTube page, fertilitycare uh, video. So I'm always out there. But after work hours, you also always find me with my family, which I'm very, very dedicated to. And that's uh, the most important thing in my life, of course. That's so wonderful. Thank you again, Mark, for joining me on the show today. And I wish you much continued success. Take care, Mark. Well, Lisa, I thoroughly enjoyed this. Congratulations on, on your accomplishment of this podcast. I wish you continued success as well. Thank you, Mark. Take care. Bye-bye. I hope this conversation brought small shifts in your mindset that can make a difference. If you enjoyed this podcast, make sure to subscribe to the Dismantling You podcast so you will be notified of our new episodes when they release. Also, don't forget to leave a review. If you think it may help someone, please share this podcast with your friends and family so we can change more lives. Thank you so much for listening. I'm your host, Lisa Pineda. Till next time, here's to Dismantling You. Thank you.